let's talk about how coffee can actually help you survive life or specifically academia in our case. PhD life. PhD <laughs> life. As I mentioned before, the highest level uh, of caffeine in your blood is after 30 to 60 minutes. So if you have an important meeting to get to, keep that in mind that you might want to want to uh, drink it a little bit earlier. The half-life of it is actually three to five hours, which means that after five hours, only half the caffeine is gone out of your blood, which means it works quite long. So drink it in the morning, but maybe stay away from it in the evening. Welcome to the 69th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science adjacent, and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Susanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Jiren. Hi. So coffee, or caffeine, is something most, if not all, PhD students and academics are intimately familiar with. You might be drinking it early in the morning to get ready for your PhD duties, or during the coffee break at a conference. But why? What does coffee do? How does it help you? And are there things you should be keeping in mind while drinking coffee? In this episode, we'll dive into the science behind coffee and how to get the most out of it as an academic. So let's start. So coffee. Many struggling scientists needed to survive academia. Um, so the science behind coffee has been on our episode wish list for quite a while. Uh, years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um But there is just so much research out there that we got overwhelmed on numerous occasions. Luckily, our new team member, Taya Zelenik-Ramuta, was brave enough to dive right into coffee uh, and select the most important things for you to know in the mountains and mountains of coffee research. Um, So today we're going to tell you exactly why you need coffee to survive your PhD, postdoc, or tennis track. Now, it feels almost uh, blasphemous to say in an episode about coffee, but uh, I am more of a tea drinker. Boo! Boo! And I'm sorry, but this episode is just going to get uh, boycotted right now. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost half yes, the population. Yes. <laughs> I know, I know. But I have heard many good things about the coffee and its health benefits. So I'm ready to be convinced. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm here to convince you. Yeah, so, <laughs> you get to start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So first things first, um, I think it's important that we clarify that coffee is uh, very complex. Uh, That's why it took us months, if not years, to (laughs) dive into it. Um, So yeah, maybe a little bit more about roasted coffee. Uh, Roasted coffee is basically just a very complex mixture of over a thousand bioactive compounds, which just naming all of them would probably take this entire duration of this podcast episode. And many of these bioactive compounds bring some potentially therapeutic uh, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, anti-fibrotic, or even anti-cancer effects that that may explain some of the epidemiological associations that we'll definitely talk about in, uh, in later in this episode. Um, but some of the key active compounds that are in coffee, uh, just to name a few, are obviously caffeine, which Suzanne already mentioned, uh, chlorogenic acids, uh, ditterpenes, ditter I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, including cafestol and Kawiol, something along those lines. Sounds fancy. I know, right? But I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, so yeah, those are some of the bio, the key bioactive compounds. So with so much information and so many active compounds and stuff like that, we just had to make some choices regarding what we're going to focus on with coffee. Uh, so we decided to focus on more specifically caffeine because that's the most famous, most studied uh, thing in coffee. So first things first, uh, 
Caffeine is sourced from the coffee bean, but you can also find it naturally occurring in certain types of tea or even cacao beans. And it's also an additive in, well, many drinks, such as energy drinks, which, yeah, in, in high concentrations in some cases, uh, medications, and also some specialized sp sport foods and supplements as well. How much caffeine do you actually get with a normal cup of coffee? Uh, yeah, this can be, this can range up to 60 milligrams of caffeine. And how much does this, how does this actually differ uh, compared to tea? Well, tea contains more coffee, more caffeine, sorry, than coffee, uh, if you just measure it on a dry weight uh, basis. But less weight is used in general yeah. to brew a cup of a cup of tea. So that's why, um, yeah, coffee will end up having more more caffeine. Uh, and of course, they're also to anyone who's ever tried to make their own specialized cup of coffee using one of those fancy machines that costs uh, thousands. Uh, the brewing time. And the amount of uh, uh, caffeine and stuff like that will also impact, uh, yeah, how much caffeine and stuff like that you'll actually have. We're not talking about espressos here. No, not even uh, diving there yet. <laughs> that, that's in a whole other can of worms. <laughs> so, so usually the caffeine content of a cup of tea will be less than the 60 milligrams of a cup of coffee. But again, a strong cup of tea could theoretically have more caffeine than a, a weak cup of coffee. So keep that in mind. Uh, lastly, I still just want to mention some things like uh, cacao and chocolate drinks also have uh, caffeine in them, but these are usually quite quite lower, around four to five milligrams of caffeine if in a cup of cacao or chocolate, with dark chocolate or even cooking chocolate having even less, around 0.7 to 0.9 milligrams. But you know, you, that's still just caffeine that you're getting into your body uh, and adds to the daily amount. Uh, and lastly, caffeine is the most wildly used stimulant in the world, consumed daily by about 80% of the world's population, which is a lot, which I never would have guessed, uh, and 90% of North, the North American population, that which is, is just mind-blowing. Yes, mm. that is a lot. Okay, well, let's talk then about what actually happens when you drink a cup of coffee. Um, caffeine is actually quite quickly absorbed, a lot quicker than a lot of other nutrients. About 30 to 60 minutes in, you reach the highest level in your blood. Now it can be a little bit modified by how, what you have eaten before or your, your personal, like, um, metabolism. It can take up to 120 minutes to reach the, the maximum concentration after a cup of coffee. So that's quite quickly. And then it crosses the blood-brain barrier quite easily. And apparently not only the blood-brain barrier, it can also cross the blood-placenta barrier, which is why you need to be careful when you're pregnant, but also the blood-testis barrier. Now, this did interest me, but um, I was a little bit hesitant to Google it. <laughs> so I'm afraid you have to go do that yourself. What kind of effect it can have on the testes? So it can affect women when they're pregnant and men when they're men. Whenever. Yeah, just <laughs> being men. Okay. Being men. <laughs> okay. Now, when it gets to the brain, it affects the cortical regions and there it increases alertness and wakefulness uh, as well as sustained attention and faster reaction times, which all sounds great, of course. For sports. Or PhDs. Um, <laughs> and these effects are actually amplified when somebody is in a state of low energy or arousal. So it works extra well when you're already tired, which is perfect. perfect. Yeah. Yes. That, you just described the entire PhD. <laughs> now, at a cellular level, the effect of coffee can be explained by three mechanisms of action. 
you get the the antagonism of the ad- adenosine receptors, which is mainly caffeine's function. We'll get back to that. Uh, this happens especially in the in the in the cortical regions of the central nervous system, and you also have mobilization of intracellular calcium storage and the inhibition of phosphodiesterase. But caffeine works by blocking the adenosine receptors in the brain, which leads to the increased alertness and wakefulness. And that is because adenosine is a neurotransmitter that promotes sleep and relaxation. So if you have less of that, then you are more alert and less relaxed. Less relaxed, exactly what you need to be during the PGP, right? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm already feeling some some side effects coming up here, but let's talk about that later. Yes. So uh, obviously, this leads into the the immediate next thing, which is uh, there have been many studies investigating the uh, association between coffee and death, and also health benefits. But before we dive into those, we want to first talk about the living, but mostly just surviving, because. After all, we are doing a PhD. There's not much living going on. There's just surviving. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. Where's this going? <laughs> I'm getting to that. <laughs> and what better way to survive your PhD than with an exclusive surviving on coffee coffee mug from us, the struggling scientists. <laughs> we can't guarantee that it'll increase your chances of survival or make your coffee taste better. But we do, however, see a trend towards significance for both. <laughs> <laughs> So what are you waiting for? Don't hesitate to grab your own coffee mug from our shop and take advantage of our special Black Friday slash holiday discount. It's not just a mug, it's a statement. Survive and thrive with the struggling scientists. Now okay. back to our regularly okay. scheduled program. <laughs> so yeah, there have been many studies that looked at coffee and caffeine with, with death, <laughs> uh, but also just the overall health benefits uh, associated with it. Uh, yeah, many studies have been done uh, and they show some, both some, uh, beneficial, but also some detrimental effects regarding uh, the amount of caffeine that you consume uh, and how long you actually live. And you should also, however, take into account, though, that many of these studies, there are, it's not a direct causation because there are also other lifestyle factors that play a role. So it's hard to say, like, just drinking coffee this many times a day will kill you. Um, or will help you survive, yes. Kill you. <laughs> <laughs> So the latest studies uh, show more evidence that moderate coffee consumption is beneficial. Meta-analysis by Grosso and colleagues, the highest exposure category, which was seven cups of coffee a day, which quite high, I would say, uh, of a non-linear dose response analysis was associated with a 10% lower risk of all-cause mortality. So that's basically all, all types a of... A random death. Yeah. Yes. Basically. <laughs> so yeah, that, uh, that sounds good. It's, um, we should be drinking coffee, it sounds like. But the summary estimates indicated that the largest reduction in relative risk was associated with the consumption of three cups of coffee a day, not the seven cups. That seems a little bit more um, sustainable. Yes, and again, this is compared to... We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in our AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph. 
completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Drinking no coffee at all. So mm. some coffee good, lots of coffee apparently still okay. Um, but yeah, just keep that in mind. Up to three cups seems like it seem, it might be good. Uh, and yeah, so furthermore, there's also the a, highly, a high daily intake of caffeine uh, present in coffee. Um, acutely seems to increase your blood pressure, your heart rate, as well as lead to us arterial stiffness whereas coffee contained in some phenolic compounds uh these are some difficult names so pardon me if i'm gonna butcher them kenides and lignans exert long-term impacts on lowering your blood pressure actually uh, and fatty acid and cholesterol synthesis as well as augmenting antioxidant ac activity so overall good stuff i guess yeah but coffee just contains so many different mm -hmm. It's it's difficult to say. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? All those thousand bioactive compounds, they're just really hard to relate. Like, it's just caffeine that's doing that. Uh, no, for sure not. And it's sort of hard to just give people raw caffeine for, for a couple of years to see if they die or not. Um, so, yeah, but coming back then to it in healthy people, comparison to not consuming coffee, habitual consumption of three to five cups of coffee per day seemed to be, was associated with a 15% reduction in the risk of cardiovascular disease, which is nice. This uh, was a, a separate study, I think. Yes, yeah. a, different, a different study. And higher consumption uh, has not been linked to elevated cardiovascular disease risk, but you, you never know. It could also depend on the population. Moreover, in comparison to no coffee intake, uh, you having a usual coffee consumption of one to five cups a day is associated with overall lower risk of death. So, okay. good stuff. Which is handy for your PG if you ever want to finish it. Not dying. And yeah, so I think this is also nice to mention, uh, high versus low coffee uh, consumption was associated with a lower risk of prostate cancer. So yay, guys. Uh, endometrial cancer, melanoma, oral cancer, leukemia, non-melanoma skin cancer, and liver cancer. So yeah, lots of... Okay, it seems healthy. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, for prostate, endometrial, and melanoma, and liver... Uh, cancers, though, there was also a significant linear dose-response relations indicating, yeah, benefits. The more coffee, the better? I guess. Up, mm. up until a point, maybe. <laughs> I, do, I don't know. I'm not sure if, if caffeine is, like, okay in unlimited amounts. <laughs> more study is required. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, let's talk about how coffee can actually help you survive life, or specifically academia in our case. PhD life. PhD life. Um, as I mentioned before, the highest level uh, of caffeine in your blood is after 30 to 60 minutes. So if you have an important meeting to get to, keep that in mind that you might want to want to uh, drink it a little bit earlier. The half-life of it is actually three to five hours, which means that after five hours, only half the caffeine is gone out of your blood. 
which means it works quite long. So drink it in the morning, but maybe stay away from it in the evening. Otherwise, you will have a lot of caffeine in your system still when you're trying to sleep. And a bad uh, night rest is not good for your for your academic life. No bueno. Now, the dosage of coffee is something that is still a little bit under debate. More than a little <laughs> bit, actually. Uh, because the studies do show different results. Um, and not all studies show positive results. I mean, there aren't really a lot of clear negative results, which is great. Um, but we usually category categorize low caffeine users um, around 200 milligrams of coffee of, uh, of caffeine a day which is about three cups moderate caffeine users about five cups a day and high caffeine users about around seven cups a day so then you know which category you fall in um, and yeah like Jaron mentioned around around three to five cups seems to be the healthiest according to the literature the literature <laughs> <laughs> but not all studies could reproduce uh, this this mm -hmm. effect. Um, now, too much caffeine is also uh, not good for you because it can lead to anxiety, tension, nervousness, anxiety, excitement, irritability, nausea, palpitations, and restlessness, which um, you already have enough of <laughs> in your PhD. So try to be careful with not overdosing on coffee. Now, also really interesting is that some studies indicate that it enhances memory performance, which is super useful for when you need to recall information while writing a paper or during a meeting. So we looked a little bit into that research. Uh, it also has also been shown to have a good effect on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, where it also shows a reduced risk of developing these diseases. Uh, but side to that, they also did some memory uh, tests in young adults, which... We still think we That's are us. part of. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, and they, uh, one study showed that uh, caffeine enhances memory performance in young adults during their non-optimal time of day, which specifically was during the early morning and late afternoon. And during the afternoon, it showed no effect. But early morning, when you're tired, or late afternoon, when you're also tired, it does seem to help. Um, and another study... It shows a little bit of an opposite effect. Uh, they had healthy adults, 20 of them, either uh, in, in consecutive amounts of 10 days, either have caffeine, withdrawal, or no caffeine. Mm. Um, and they used placebos to make sure that people didn't know if they were taking caffeine. And they actually showed that when doing a memory task, it was worse in the... Um, moments that people were drinking coffee or after 10 days of withdrawal. Mm. So, a little bit of a... Not sure yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it might also have to do with different type, type of mm. memory and different type of test. Yeah, exactly. So maybe just test it on yourself how well it works for you. <laughs> go, go, go into that important meeting with uh, coffee, no coffee, see how it goes. <laughs> Yes, do an NS3 at least. Mm. Um, also interesting to know, uh, the military actually has a report about caffeine use in in um, sleep-deprived situations and how to handle that. So apparently it can be very useful for high-stress situations. Uh, but they do say that they're not sure how, how, how um, applicable this is to civilian situations. Mm. <laughs> good to know, good to know. Yes. So yeah, that uh, I guess brings us to some random facts about coffee. And there are Always many. <laughs> yes. We have many. 
Uh, so first off is a little bit about coffee and DNA. So apparently coffee can influence the DNA methylation, which is a process that regulates gene expression. With some studies suggesting that caffeine consumption can impact the way the certain genes are expressed in our bodies. Interesting. Yeah, but I guess maybe it might depend on which genes, which mm. uh, organs, which, you know, everything. Uh, and maybe more has to do maybe a little bit with the blood placenta barrier as well. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Blood testes. <laughs> Not going to drop that ever again. <laughs> that will forever come back in the episodes. Uh, yeah, in addition to that, there's also studies done with bees, for because I guess we really needed to know. So bees are apparently sensitive to caffeine, and some flowers actually produce caffeine in their nectar. This can apparently enhance the bee's memory and increase the likelihood that they will return to that flower helping pollination. Okay. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, even bees need, uh, need coffee to sustain them. Uh, when working. Uh, in addition to that, we also have um, how caffeine affects cats. Cats are extremely sensitive to caffeine, it turns out. Even small amounts can be toxic to them. So avoid giving your feline friend any caffeine containing products at all Important, costs. Important, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't coffee while you cat, I guess. <laughs> and lastly, there's also the possibility of developing caffeine allergies while rare. Uh, some people can develop an allergy to caffeine. Symptoms may include hives, uh, rash, uh, difficulty breathing, and in severe cases, anaphylactic shock. Okay. Intense. That. Uh, Luckily, it's rare. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what kind of energy or caffeine substitute you could do then, but you know, all the 999 other bioactive compounds then, I guess. Yes. Okay. That was the last interesting fact. Yes. Then I would like to talk about tea now. <laughs> the last for me. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But there is this one study mm -hmm. that compared people who only drink coffee, only tea, or coffee and tea drinkers for 12 years long uh, in the UK, which has enough tea drinkers, of course. <laughs> um, and they actually had some interesting results. So I want to talk about them. They also found that drinking one to two co uh, coffee cups a day is healthy for you for all-cause mortality, cardiovascular disease, respiratory disease, and digestive disease. Uh, and more than four is actually bad for these things, except for digestive diseases, where the amount of coffee always seems to be good. Good stuff. <laughs> um, now, tea uh, apparently was also good for all types of death. And for almost all of them, you could drink more cups of tea without any consequences to your risk of dying, except for respiratory diseases. <laughs> so... Tea is also good. Yes. And maybe has more caffeine than a sweetener. <laughs> strong cup of co tea, yeah. uh, guys. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can cheat the system by making a strong cup of tea. Yeah, but it still doesn't have all the other bio uh, bioactive. Um, I'm sure it must have some of them, like some things, but I don't know. It has a lot of other molecules, yeah, for exactly. sure. Yes. <laughs> there's more in tea than... Yeah. Yes. I don't think there is as much tea research as there's coffee research, so maybe it deserves an episode. I, find, I see a gap in the literature. We need to do a <laughs> review about it. <laughs> Let's not. Okay. Now, um, this was already the end of our episode. For our listeners, if you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, you can reach out to us via our website, strugglingscientist.com. You can check out our website to sign up for the awesome Journal of the Struggling Scientist, a.k.a. our newsletter. And if you have enjoyed this episode, then please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform as it helps us grow and reach more struggling scientists out there. Uh, you can follow us on social media, channels. Which ones are those again? 
X, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope to see you again next time. Bye. Bye. Coffee.